You're listening to the Grace Church podcast. For more information, visit www.gracechurchuk.org or visit our Facebook page by searching Grace Church UK. So we are carrying on with the series about the King's Table. So we're going to remind ourselves, first of all, of the story of Mephibosheth. I'm sorry, Simon. Um, Having a name like Elizabeth, I am fully signed up to the campaign Equal Rights for People with Long Names. So so. Let's um, start from 2 Samuel. One day, David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? On to verse 5. So David sent for him and brought him from Machia's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. So we are looking at the cultural values that are on these banners at the front. I'm going to be talking about God's presence, and then Roger's coming to talk about belonging. So on, I think it's that one, the one where it talks about God's presence, it says, worshipping God and pursuing his presence in our lives and meetings and using the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Now, we can't talk glibly or even just put it up there randomly as our cultural values without thinking, how amazing is this that we can say going into God's presence is something that we want to do as a church. Think about the amazing truths. God's transcendence, he is wholly other, separate from creation, his imminence, his fully present in our creation, God's omnipresence, he's everywhere, and yet there's these times when he's, um, there's this manifest presence, the felt presence of God as he reveals himself to us. Remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the Lord God walking with them in the cool of the day. And then they threw all of that away and were sent out of God's presence. And then um, this is Mount Sinai. Think of the majesty of God's presence revealed to, to Moses there. And then with all the fire and whirlwind and darkness. And then God's saying... Here are the instructions for the tabernacle and the temple because he wanted, he says, that I might dwell among them. At Christmas, we had that amazing series, didn't we, leading up to, to enjoying Christmas, thinking about Jesus as our Emmanuel, God. Shall I shout? Or no, there we go. There we go. Sorry. God with us. 
I've got a picture up here next, which is uh, of the temple. Um, the moment that Jesus died, when he gave up his spirit and the curtain in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, that amazing moment that symbolized what Jesus had achieved for us, making a way for us to be able to come into the presence of God. And we have our personal stories, don't we, of God's call for us, that moment we trusted Jesus as our saviour. We're forgiven, we're cleansed. He's got rid of everything that would keep us away from a holy God. And now we can live in the good of all the amazing promises that God gives to us. Where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. He's asking us to draw near to God. And then we have that certain hope, don't we, that one day, because of all that Jesus has done for us, we are going to be there in the very presence of God, in the new heaven and the new earth, in ways we're only glimpsing now. So Mephibosheth's story is our story, isn't it? We were a long way away, but God has brought us close. Um, when Simon asked us to talk about God's presence, I knew it was something that God was already talking to me about. I've got this book. I saved it for the beginning of January. I'm going to be working through it this year. It's called Thoughtful Eating. It's a biblical perspective on food, relationships, and the environment. It is really good. So I am going to be thoughtful this year about the environmental impact of our food systems, the social consequences of unjust food systems, humanity's vocation to look after um, the environment. It's just set me thinking about um, this wanting to be really grateful for the gift of food that God has given us in his creation. Um, and enjoying eating together, it's a blessing he gives us. And um, we have lost something of that, I think. In the developed world, we eat so well, don't we, that we talk about Christmas, which should be a time of feasting and celebrating, and we're just talking about we overindulged. But God wants us to... Um, learn to enjoy his good gifts to us. And often you see the enemy stealing that from us, don't you? When, he, when food becomes an issue for people in their lives. Or I remember an Alpha course that we did in a previous church. And on that course, there were three people who couldn't eat in front of other people. And you think the enemy is just robbing them of something that is a gift to us. I think if you, you start thinking about eating gratefully and feasting, it's what God wants us to have in our mind when we come to the picture of um, God's worshipping God as being like being at the king's table and enjoying a feast. This isn't snacking or food on the go, is it? It's us sitting at the table with the king. I think the sitting at the table talks about our position that the Lord's brought us into. Sitting at the king's table, we're there with him. David said, didn't he, you will eat here with me. 
Eating food talks in the spiritual context of his provision, everything we need for our spiritual lives and growth that Simon talked about last week. I like seeing the links between the biblical story of David, all his fighting and Saul chasing him and so on, and what he talks about in the Psalms. And we're going to look at some of the verses that he wrote that I think he might have been thinking about when he invited Mephibosheth to come to his, his table. This is Psalm 27. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Psalm 23, you probably thought of that anyway, didn't you? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Psalm 31, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. I love Psalm 27. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And I think maybe for David, it was meditating on the goodness of God to him and his sense of feasting in the Lord's presence in his quiet times that moved him to show this kindness to Mephibosheth. Maybe David was doing thoughtful eating himself. Perhaps we can do that. There's things that we enjoy about our life with God and then we find a way of acting it out for other people. Um, We've been forgiven amazingly, haven't we? So we then forgive other people. If God's just reminding you the wonder, me who was far away from God have been brought near and I can demonstrate that in my home by inviting a lovely mix of people to come in and be at home together. In the the cultural values that is set out there, it talks about in our lives and meetings, and you can't have one without the other. It's when we are enjoying God's presence individually um, that we then become really eager to meet together and ready to worship. And it's our times of worshiping together Um, that fan these flames of love for the Lord and then you find those songs coming into your mind during the week so thank you to the worship team who not only bless us on Sundays but it stays there to help us all through the week as well one of my best times for finding myself in the presence of God is when I pray with people Um, Over the years, um, I'm thinking of some really special, mostly older ladies, I aspire to this myself, who are great prayers. And when you're there with them, you just know you're in God's presence. Um, I remember one, and um, I'd go there. It was when Roger was working at Westminster, and we used to pray together for all the things that he was doing. 
um, Margaret Racy. And um, as soon as she shut her eyes and said, oh, Lord, you knew you were there because she lived in her, the Lord's presence in her prayers. And I, I loved it. Um, she's a role model for us all, I think. We need to practice coming into God's presence ourselves as we pray and worship at home. If you think back over times of corporate worship, your most precious times of knowing God was there, I wonder how you would describe it. Um, to me, there comes a kind of stillness, doesn't there, when you know, wow, God is here with us. There's that sense that although we're doing it together, this feels like it's just me and the Lord, and you know you're right at the heart of it. And at that old chorus that we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. That's when you know the presence of God in worship. And we're then changed by those encounters with God. I think one purpose of the church together is to provide a context where the Holy Spirit can be working in all of us to bring about our sanctification, making us more and more holy, more like Jesus. And he does that in his presence as he works in our lives. The Holy Spirit is working in those times to prepare us all as Jesus' bride for that time when we are definitely going to be there in the presence of God at the great wedding feast in heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace shown to all of us who were so far away and you've brought us close and you love us being in your presence. Lord Jesus, we want to learn more and more about this. We want a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. We feel this hunger inside, a longing to be in your presence like that. Thank you that in your presence we can give you all our burdens. And Lord, we're asking that you change our lives by the Holy Spirit in us. Amen. So, there's challenges to all of this, aren't there? Firstly, do we just worship God on Sundays and just with other people in public? The other day I had something go wrong with my phone. It kept coming up with this thing saying the message hadn't been delivered, but it was actually going three times. And I'm there, ah, what's going on? And in that moment I felt God say to me, which do you treat more urgently, something wrong with your phone or when God's talked to you about something in your life that's stopping you having this intimate relationship with God? Because God wants these times where we can express our love to him. He can express his love to us. If you're a new Christian, you're thinking, how do I start feeling God's presence in my own? I think... I find worship music, listening to that, a really useful thing. It just brings you there, doesn't it? And you can join in, and that helps. Sometimes you can't sense God's presence. 
God hasn't left you, but it's um, maybe sin in your life that has stopped your sensitivity to his presence. That amazing verse, 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think coming into God's presence needs a preparation. Um, If I said hands up anyone who's ever had an argument in the car on the way to church, could be quite a few of us. Um, I I love the prayer meeting on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock here. As much as praying for the meeting and all the other things, it just stills your heart and gets you ready for coming into God's presence. I'm wondering what about being there right at the beginning. Doesn't that really help? I know even when I'm on welcome team and you're coming in late, you're thinking, oh no, I don't know what's all that's gone on. I think us being here eager to come into the presence of God demonstrates how much we want to be worshipping God. This isn't supposed to sound like a a school report, sorry, you know, must try harder. I I really want it to come across in that sense of uh, hunger to know more of God together. I have some pictures that I've found that I have printed out and I have in the place where I pray that just seem to sum up for me. I look at it and I know that's what I'm praying for. There's one here, so if you can't see it very well, I found it online once. It's a picture of a um, beautiful worship time. At the front, you've got the, the worship team, and you just, in looking at it, sense that stillness in God's presence that has just captivated everyone. This guy, even at the PA desk, is there lost in worship. And I've only got to look at that, and the Lord knows that's what we long for, isn't it, in our times together. There's that verse in Revelation 3.20 that's often quoted, the the bit about Jesus knocking at the door, and we talk about it um, to give non-Christians that sense of, I'm responding to God. The context of it is the church in Laodicea that had lost their first love for the Lord. They weren't hot or cold. And Jesus was saying, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And he wants us to open the door to him. And he promises he will come in and eat with us, which means share a meal with us. And I think that phrase of pursuing God's presence in our lives and meetings is us saying we're opening the door to Jesus and he's going to come in. We're welcoming the Holy Spirit. And that's the amazing thing at the end of this cultural value, isn't it? The the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think when you're in a meeting and you hear a gift of the Holy Spirit being used, or if you're at home and you're speaking in tongues, that's what it's there for, isn't it? To build you up and encourage you. It just reminds you we're not here for an AGM or a political meeting, are we? We're here to come into the presence of the living God who's made it possible for us who were sinners 
to come into his presence. He's longing to meet with us. He's pouring out his gifts to strengthen us and bless us. And he wants us to enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to make sure that all new Christians are helped with the full package, saved, baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that we all go on then being filled with the Spirit, evidencing the fruit of the Spirit that Simon was talking about last week. And then being eager to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we can bless those around us and use those out as we tell other people about him. So, as we're learning about feasting in God's presence, let's pray that we all know God, Grace Church as a community where we worship God and pursue his presence in our lives and meetings using the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Thank you. Second time I've heard that talk this morning. <laughs> First time I heard it, I just wanted to carry on worshipping, to be honest with you. Um, give me a few minutes and then we'll get to it. We're going to be looking at this uh, cultural value of belonging as well. Interestingly enough, uh, on the poster, on the banners they had at uh, Amesbury, it wasn't on, they didn't have that one. They just had one of them. Mine wasn't on it. There we are. <laughs> I didn't take it personally. Anyway, belonging is the... Uh, is the value that we're looking at, and it is on one of these somewhere. That one. Thank you. A diverse family on a mission, enjoying authentic relationships and seeing every person accepted as a valued part of the body and with a role to play. So what does it mean uh, to belong to a church community? What is it we need to feel uh, or to know in order to have a, a sense of belonging? It's something... Belonging, I think, is something we all, we all want, we all need. It's actually a kind of deep, uh, quite a deep, profound need, I think, for, for everybody. Social scientists will tell us that um, actually we are wired to have a sense of belonging. We are supposed to be together. There's a deep human capacity to be together with others. And of course, the Bible teaches that um, it actually is part of being human, being made in the image of God, the basic traits of the Godhead, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living together in perfect relationship and harmony, we are made in the image of God. Um, that sense of honor and respect uh, that the Godhead has. Of course, when God made the first human, he then realized, of course, I don't think it was quite a light bulb moment for God, but anyway... He realized that it's not good for that one human to, to be alone, so he made another one. And then that was the relationship that they were able to develop, to have that sense of belonging together. And then, of course, we have sin entering the world, um, and the whole sense of disharmony, the sense of loneliness, the sense of isolation suddenly comes in and breaks that sense of belonging and sense of being together. And the Bible, of course, teaches us that the church is supposed to be the earthly reflection of God, his wisdom, the way he is, uh, his ways, and we're supposed to show that to other people around us. We are the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. A head tells the body how to live. That's the way it all works. And as we live as a, a church family, that demonstrates God's love 
at work in our lives. That's how other people are supposed to see it. And I believe that only in, in Jesus, in that relationship with him and with each other, actually can we find true belonging. I think true belonging means being fully known and being fully loved. And those uh, truths, it seems to me, can only have their full outworking amongst people who have been born again and are living together in harmony. Grace Church, of course, is um, made up of all sorts of people, you and me, remarkably forgiven, born-again people who God has put together. And I believe that's the group of people that the cultural value that we're talking about applies to. It's the born-again people gathered together as God's family. Now, you may have heard the phrase, and we've talked about it here, I know on a number of occasions, the phrase of belong, believe, and become. So hang on a minute, Roger, where does this fit? What's that belonging? What does that mean? How does that work out? Well, I think there's a, there's a slight danger here of, of the whole sense of belonging being misunderstood in that context if it gives the impression that it's possible to become fully part of a church without having come to faith in Jesus. There's a danger there for us, I think, we need to be careful of. Um, Born-again believers, I think, belong, believe, become. When they come amongst us, we want them to, to sense that there's something that they don't actually enjoy yet. They enjoy the sense of friendship and fellowship, but there's something more that they haven't yet had. And then together, I think the language of things like seekers and fellow travellers along the way, that works. That's, that's fine. Because our church community clearly needs to be open and accessible to everybody and anyone who wants to explore Christianity and explore faith. In that sense, we want people to feel that they belong. But let's be careful. Because if people who aren't yet believers are never told that they're not yet Christian believers, then they're going to find a real sense of difficulty in how they relate. Jesus, um, Jesus made it very clear that we have to be born again. What does that mean? It means that we have to accept that there's a a problem in our lives. We have to accept the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We understand that we're there outside because we're in rebellion against God. And if we're not careful, I think there is this danger. We can allow people to sign up for Jesus' community sense, but never really sign up to new birth and radical discipleship. So there's, a, there's something we need to be a bit careful of there, I think. People who are in that situation often try to fit in, actually. They, they want to try and almost be a Christian without receiving the life that Jesus gives through the Spirit. That's really, really hard for them. And we need to be careful we don't mislead people because um, it's never going to work that way. Uh, just to illustrate that, um, I think for those who are looking at Christianity and looking at faith amongst us, they should be able to see the true church. They should be able to see people who believe and uh, are trusting in Jesus. It's like they should be like standing outside a shop window, looking inside. Not standing in front of a brick wall where they can't see anything. It's a bit like, we all love Reeves Bakers, don't we? Of course we do. Thank you very much. 
If you've ever walked past a baker's, you know the smell is absolutely wonderful. Like the bread and the cakes. The thing you don't want to be doing is standing on the outside with your nose pressed up against the glass. You want to go in, don't you, and taste and enjoy. Now, I think that's how the belong part of belong, believe, and become should be. People should be able to see something that they really, really want. They should have a sense of the the warmth of our love together, that there's a diverse group of people living together. They should hear the word of God in a way which is relevant and accessible to them. They need to understand that actually being a Christian is opting in and not opting out of faith. They need to, they need to have that sense that they, they must have what these people have. Because it, it's attractive and it's something they want to join. So just to, to tie up really, let's look at what does it mean to be belonging when you've been around for quite a number of years? And looking around the congregation and knowing some of you, you have been around some of you for a number of years. And I speak from my own experience on this one. I think for those of us who are part of the church, there is, there's three things. There's three Fs. I don't normally do three Fs or three of anything because I only usually get to two and then I run out. But anyway, three Fs. These came from my wife. It's very helpful. Friendship, faith, and fellowship. Okay? Now, friendship, it's the kind of thing that we can all enjoy. It's offered kind of to everybody. We get to know one another. We eat together. Elizabeth was talking about that very helpfully earlier on. We have those fun times together. We help each other out. So there's that element of belonging in the church. There's the faith element. There's such a shared sense of faith and belief amongst the true church. That love of Jesus, which actually draws us together. Those are the qualities, I think, of, of belonging. And then the fellowship side of it is... Fellowship is a much overused word, and I think probably abused word in many ways. In this context, I want to think of it as the whole sense of worshipping Jesus together, that privilege that we have. Our hearts join together as we pray. It's just lovely listening to Elizabeth talking about um, these older ladies that she's prayed with. She she has now become, or is becoming, one of those older ladies, okay? (laughs) Very, very difficult ground here, I appreciate. (laughs) But if you want to know someone who can help you in praying, she already has become one of those older ladies. It's a privilege to be able to pray with her. So make the most of that. And there's that sense of experiencing the presence of God together. It's a very special thing. Yes, when we're on our own. Yes, when we're praying. Yes, when we're worshiping on our own. But also that sense of the Holy Spirit gathering us together and helping us to worship Jesus. It's a wonderful privilege. But let's remember, for those of us who have been around a while, belonging is not a static state that we get ourselves into and we stay like that forever. It's actually something which, which can change over the months and years. And for those who have been around for a while, this is a particular thing I think we need to be very careful of A sense of belonging needs to be cultivated. You need to work on it. It needs an ongoing, active commitment in order to feel that you belong in a church. And as new people join the church, 
then the important thing for those of us who have been around a while is to be active in getting to know those new people. Because if you neglect that part of church life, if you just stay with your old friends, as it were, I'll tell you what will happen. Over the weeks, months and years, there'll be fewer and fewer people that you actually know in the church and your sense of belonging will suddenly disappear. It's not like it used to be, you know. I don't know everybody there on a Sunday morning. It's a very good reason for that. Maybe because you need to be more active in becoming to know the new people who are joining the church. Now, this is especially important, I think, when the people who are joining our church are different to you and me. Whatever you are, whoever you are. If you find that people coming in from different ages, different ethnic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different languages that they speak. We have to be very intentional to have a sense of belonging with those new people and to help them have a sense of belonging with the church as it is because the church will change as new people join. We've got to involve ourselves in relationships because that's how we have a sense of belonging it's not separate from people it is all about people I uh, mentioned earlier on this definition true belonging means being fully known and being fully loved that cannot happen if we withdraw from human relationships if we suddenly try to go it alone and be a kind of lone ranger in church life I tell you what happens very quickly you become a critical observer of church life from the outside and you lose that sense of belonging. The cultural value that we have also speaks of being on a mission and with a role to play. Because belonging is not something that is just done to me. It's actually something that I actively engage with in order to make it happen. Mission And finding your role in the church life, that's really important to do it together because it brings us together and gives us a sense of being team together. So, belonging. If you're new new to church life, I guess you'll already have heard about the welcome lunch today. Very good place to be if you want to have a sense of who the church is led by and what the church actually stands for in relational terms and in food terms very good my experience is that it's very good here in Grace Church exploring membership if you I'm sure you've mentioned this as well today have you no probably not exploring membership course okay not yet oh there's a secret okay if you do the exploring membership course you will find a really good explanation of why we as a church ask people to sign up as members That's why I'll just leave that there so you can know that's where you can find your explanation. I'd like us to have time to respond uh, in worship. Uh, I'd love us to spend some time together responding to what God is saying to us, as Elizabeth was talking about. If you haven't yet had the the third part of that package that she mentioned, being saved, being baptised in water be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, this morning would be a really good time to say, yes, please. Can you pray for me? There'll be time for that in just one minute.
And if you're thinking, actually, I, I just want to know more. I need to know more of the Spirit's sense of drawing near to the, in the presence of God. I need more of that. This next time when we've got some time now to, to worship, we can pray for one another, ask God to give us more, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Word of God says. It's not just a one-off thing that happens to us. So that's, I'm just going to pray and I'll hand back to Dave yeah, and to Simon. If you would like to be prayed for, to be baptized in the Spirit, to know more of the Spirit, can I just invite you to actually make a physical move and come and ask for that down the front? I know it's awkward, but we can, we can receive as we make that statement. I want more. I want more. I need to know more. So we've got time to worship. Let's just pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we want to, first of all, thank you for our own salvation. Thank you that you've made us part of your family, given us life, given us all that we need, brought us into this wonderful family of God. We thank you for that. We thank you that when we pray together, when we worship together, when we spend time together, we sense being, being drawn together. We sense that there's something familiar about our brothers and sisters around us because it's about you and it's about your presence. You're dwelling in us as individuals but also as a, a body. We thank you for that. We pray that as we worship even now, I pray, Lord God, would you come amongst us and seal that sense of belonging that we so love to know. And Lord, if we've never experience that stillness that Elizabeth was talking about of knowing your presence or if we want to experience it again please would you help us now we give ourselves now to you and to your honor and your worship in Jesus name amen thank you for listening to the Grace Church podcast for more information visit www.gracechurchuk.org